You can hear me okay? Yes, I think so. Good. Lovely. Wonderful to be in God's presence and the Holy Spirit just speaking to us. Um, need to be attentive when he speaks. There's often a thread that comes through as the Holy Spirit begins to direct things. Um, I've got a message on my heart um, just to try and um, encourage us along into something more in him. Um, the title, I think, would be something around the, the three... Th- the th- no, sorry, the five, the four, the one. There we go. For those who like figures, the five, the four, and the one. That will be um, the title. Um, so important for us to be open to what the Holy Spirit is doing, where he is moving. Touch of his power can just touch and release and, and do amazing things. In the story, in the uh, clips that we look, uh, look, looked at earlier, um, there was a wonderful miracle. Two of the girls that were in those clips, the girl in white and the other girl that was on the left, Natalie and Sarah, two years ago, uh, they didn't know God at all. Their lives were an absolute mess. Um, and then God touched one of them, uh, Natalie, and she was wonderfully touched. And um, she then witnessed to her daughter. Her daughter has come in, got wonderfully saved. She then witnessed to her sister, the girl in white, Sarah, and she was going through all sorts of things in her marriage situation. And she got wonderfully saved. And now her children are also coming to the church. Just amazing how God works. We can't work it out with God. And where the river begins and there's an opening, it will flow. The river flows. And God wants his river to flow. The river, his spirit, starts in the heavenlies, God's river begins to flow through people, through relationships. And that's where the river will touch other people's lives, um, relating. Gold is people. God's precious gems is people. He loves people. He loves to transform people. He loves you. And he's continually, little by little, bringing us into deeper and deeper understanding of who he is and what he enjoys and we can enjoy him. Satisfaction comes in really knowing him and experiencing his presence inside. Power of the Holy Spirit. So I'd like us to look at, um, God's been speaking to me in many different ways as I've been at home with mum. It's been a a great learning curve and um, having a great time because my mum loves the Lord Jesus. Uh, We just got her personal tract printed. She's 91. She wanted that her personal tract be reprinted because she's now in a home and uh, there's plenty of people in homes. So she wants to give her personal tract to all of them. So we've begun on that venture. So I got that done. And um, it's just lovely that the old exterior wears out. But the inner man is renewed daily and is being prepared for heaven, basically. But we have the presence of the living God. It's often spiritual things are the opposite to natural things. And um, Jesus brings us into a kingdom. It's a bit like fishing. 
I love fishing. You catch the fish, you whack it on the head, and then there's all a process of getting it ready to be eaten. And it's a bit like that with, that, with, with the kingdom of God. We come in and we're flapping all over the place. We don't know what we're doing or where we've come from. We've come out of one world uh, where it's a very different set of laws and we're brought into another world. And then he begins to prepare us, get off the scales and sort the thing out so it's palatable and edible and useful. And uh, that's what he does with us. And it's a whole process of dealing with us. Um, and that's becoming a disciple. That's getting us ready so that he can then allow the river of God to flow through us individually and as his body to become a powerful blessing that rocks society, rocks other people's lives with the power of the kingdom. And uh, Lord, we desperately need your power. Um, and Lord, we want to get prepared for you to be able to use us. That's the... the, 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 that's the um, the cry. Now Jesus with his disciples, I've got lots of little scriptures, I'm going to make reference to all sorts of things, so it's really um, what I do in, in, uh, with the teams is throw out the stuff for you to go and look at at home, um, but lots of thoughts and um, for you to meditate on really. Jesus speaks in many, many different ways. Um, he can speak in a thousand ways. He, he moves in many, many different ways. And we as human beings, and a big process that we have to learn is that how God speaks. And as human beings, we like things, we like pattern, we like habit, we like ways, and we live in boxes. And the world teaches us to operate in certain ways. But often when God comes in, he wants us to think out of the box sometimes do things in very different ways. And often we have a plan that we think God's going to do things, and he does, but he often does it in a very different way. I have that over and over again. You think you get an idea of what God's going to do, but then the way he does it, you think, boy, I wouldn't have done it that way. It's totally different. But he does it in his way, because he is God. And learning about God is learning it, let him be God and do what he wants in his way. And getting into... Uh, the flow of what he's doing. Now, Jesus with the disciples, he had some tough guys who knew exactly what they thought ought to be happening, and he had to prepare them in the three years for his going, because he was passing the baton on to them, to carry on kingdom work. And we have the privilege today of that God chooses us. The fact that we're here today, God is touching our hearts, he's chosen us, because he wants to pass the baton on for us to carry on his work in the world. And that's a privilege. But there's a whole process of change that takes, needed to take place. So Jesus often would try and get people's attention. He would try and get our attention. And one day he was uh, in a Pharisee's house and he didn't wash his hands before he ate. Jesus sometimes, he, you know, he spat. He didn't wash his hands. He uh, washed other people's feet. We don't know if he washed his own. Um, and he went into somebody's house and um, he didn't wash his hands before he ate. And the Pharisee noticed it and made comment to it. Sometimes God will begin by speaking to us with the natural that he will then translate into the spiritual. 
And Jesus then went on to speak to this disciple about his inner life and said, you look at the exterior, but I look at your inside life. And then all the woes come, Pharisees, Sadducees, um, all sorts of things that he spoke to them very directly about their inner life, which was a mess. And God's work is always inside. That's where it starts. And as we are transformed from the inside, the private area, he then causes things on the outside to happen that are seen by others. But the work begins inside. It's the work of the spirit, work of the word, the work of our response to him. So Jesus got this disciple's attention and then he began to speak to him. God, firstly, often wants to get our attention. He wants to create a hunger and thirsting. Now in the stories of the parables, there's about 11 parables in the first block, Jesus shares lots of truths in parable form. So there was a picture which had a spiritual um, application. And the key to the other parables was the sower. When Jesus spoke about the sower, he included in the story of the sower many things that we see in the other parables. In the parable of the great pearl and the parable of the um, treasure, it was both men who were seeking. One was looking for treasure on his land. He found it. He reburied it. Then he sold everything so that he'd have that treasure. The second one was a man was a fine pearl dealer. Again, looking for fine pearls. Finds one, a pearl of great price, of great treasure. Gave his all to get that pearl. And one of the things about kingdom is that our attitude has to be right towards him and towards kingdom. It's about giving everything for him, to him. We're in this world, we get on with the world, we've got to work things through in this world. But the attitude and the heart situation that God requires is a heart over to him. Lord, I'll follow you. Jesus, what do you want to do with my life? The other things great we enjoy they're there to be enjoyed but my heart attitude lord is i want to be totally available to you you are my king you are my savior i want to be yours first and that's what jesus was looking and upon that foundation with the disciples he began to build lots of things into their lives um and um he began to give them spiritual truths to set other people free. So Jesus got the attention of the disciple. He wanted a heart response in the parable of the sower. In that key parable, the seed was sown, but it depended on the soil as to the result and the fruit that came. The seed that comes from God is a good seed. The soil is the condition of our hearts. Where is my heart? That's the hidden area. How is my heart towards him? Am I going to run after him? Am I going to chase after him? 
Am I going to let him mould my heart, mold, change my thinking? And the Bible says that who who has will have in abundance. Who that does not have what he does have will be thrown out. So it's how we respond. God wants me and you to have his treasures in abundance. That's his will for us. The secrets of the kingdom, the key to satisfaction, the relationship with him, the knowing him and being obedient and knowing that he is with me, using me, I have the favour of God on my life. When that favour comes, it touches every other area of your life. It's not just spiritual on church. It touches your mind, your emotions, your body. It touches what you touch, your job, your family, your finances. It's the favour of God with us, his blessing. And the way we begin to see things, because he's in charge, he is there, he is looking after me. What a blessing we are, we can be to others. What an amazing God we have, his goodness. It's not religiosity. It's not a heavy burden. God is to be enjoyed. God is to be celebrated. He gives us a good time and wants us to enjoy everything that he puts before us. And the key to more is using well what we have. So God gives you a bit. And how do you steward it? How do you handle what he gives you? How do you proceed? And when you're beginning to enjoy what he's given you, he'll give you more. And the more becomes the more. And it becomes eventually an abundance. And then in your house, the scripture tells us, the man in the house brings out old things and new things to on display. There's testimony of God in our hearts and our lives. As we get older, our spiritual lives, our natural lives, should become a house full of good things that God has done. The testimonies of his, his grace, his moving. And there is no limit in the abundance he wants to give us. Wonderful God. Now, on to the five, on to the four, on to the one. I want to just draw out a few thoughts. Jesus, with the five, uh, it's the feeding of the 5,000. And Jesus was with the disciples. They're on a slope, grassy slope. Evening has come. It says in the scriptures, a couple of things there. Jesus had compassion and healed their sick. He spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. I'm reading from the four gospels on this one. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And in John it says, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. So he had many, many people running to him. Jesus touches people's lives. He touches the heart. 
He brings healing. He brings release. A power that the world does not know. How we need that in today's age. So much anxiety and worry and pain and suffering. God wants to come into this time, I believe, and really bring his kingdom answers. And the disciples are there and Jesus um, wants to use this as a test of training for his disciples. God sometimes brings us into times where, and with God, there can be the suddenlies where things can suddenly change because we're in a certain habit of doing things. And almost in the habit of doing certain things, it brings a certain security. It brings a sense of, I'm feeling good with God. But often when God moved or wanted to train his disciples, there was sudden change and the disciples were put in a new situation where they thought, oh boy, what do we do with this one? And that's when growth comes, or it can come. It's often where we're into another situation, we say, Lord, help me for this situation. I need your strength. I need to get your thinking, Lord, on this. And Jesus was going to use this situation where he's got a whole pile of people who are loving what he's bringing, responding to it, but they're hungry. They haven't eaten for three days. And so he's going to use that to try and train his disciples up. And what he does is he says to them together and then to um, Philip, um, how are we going to feed these guys? In John in um, 6 verse 6, it says, he asked um, ah, Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. In other words, the father had spoken to Jesus and said, I want you to feed these people. There's going to be a miracle. The father always communicated because of the relationship, father, some relationship, he communicated to him. And now he wants to train the disciples in their thinking, to get out of box thinking, to get out of the worldly thinking, and to think, what does the Father want to do in this situation? And so he asked Philip, and then in the other Gospels, he asks in the same question, but it says that he asked the disciples. And they all respond in the same way, the way they'd been brought up to think. Philip says in John it would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for this lot. And the disciples say, well, send them away so they can go and buy food in the local villages. They're thinking natural. They're not yet thinking, what could the Father do in this situation, out of the box? And Jesus then says, you feed them. So he gives them a question that's going to trouble them. We feed them. They can't work that one out. Have to remember, they don't yet have the presence of the Holy Spirit with them in quite the same way as Acts two when it came late when he came later, and they were equipped for thinking in a different way. And so we know the story that Jesus throws out something to make them think, and to make them think. Well, how on earth are we going to do this? And Jesus says, okay, you're not ready, observers. And then he says, get them 
in different groups. He then, with them, gets them to participate in the miracle, prays a quick prayer, and then basically does what the Father had already told him before the whole thing began, and they distribute and feed the 5,000. So that's the five. Then we come on to the four. The four is a bit later. Now, you would think, well, they've seen Jesus do miracles and healings and all this kind of stuff. They've seen the 5,000 and what Jesus did. How did that register in their spirits? We can see God do great things, but what does it do to us, in us? When some people saw Lazarus raised from the dead, raised from the dead, they wanted to kill him. Interesting reaction. They wanted to kill Jesus. That was one end of the reactions. Others followed him. So when we come up and we talk about spiritual kingdom things, there is an illogical response that happens sometimes. People themselves don't know why they respond when you say the name Jesus. You go outside with people who do not believe in God at all. Some people are very open to kingdom things. Other people, there is a reaction, anger, hatred, and they don't know why in themselves and where that comes from sometimes. I've seen it certainly in Europe. Go out and share Jesus and there's a reaction, a hate. Spiritual life, spiritual world. Now, with the 4,000, there's not such detail and there's not such truth packed into the four stories. Also in the four Gospels, uh, in, in the four Gospels, in the, the feeding of the 4,000, it's only in two Gospels. It's in Matthew 15 and Mark 7. And there Jesus is healing people. He just healed previously um, a, a, a mute man. And then there's the 4,000 that gather around him and they need to be fed. So Jesus doesn't hand out in the same way previously to the disciples the same opportunity. He's, I believe he's looking, how are the guys going to respond? Have they learnt anything from the previous miracle? And it says in both the Gospels, uh, Jesus, again it says Jesus had compassion for them. We see that Jesus' inner, inner man, he has compassion for people. And that's part of the thing that God's got to put in us before we are going to be effective. God wants to give us compassion for people. We can't serve kingdom if we don't have some of those basic foundational things that God wants to build into us. And one of them is compassion. We do things for, not for other reasons other than God gives us a love for people. A heart to serve people. Jesus, again, has compassion for them. And it says um, that Jesus said um, in, I'll just give you the chapter, Mark 7, and verses 3 and 4. If I send them away hungry, they will collapse on the way, because some of them have come a long distance. His disciples answered, but where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread to feed them. What have they learned? <laughs> and in both Gospels, it says the same thing. So Jesus doesn't tell them a lot of truth 
Um, he very quickly moves on. Okay, I'm picking up what you've picked up. Not a lot. They're still going around with a mentality of a spectacle. Jesus, oh, it's great being with him. They can watch all the things he does. But no thinking, but we could actually move into this. This is for us. This is for my personal walk with God. We could actually be doing the same things. It's not yet in the thinking. And we can be the same. We love to hear a good message. We love to hear lots of testimonies of what other people are doing. But what does God want to do with you? He's got an abundance of stuff he wants to do with you. And somehow we allow lies to get in or because we're not thinking out of the box and we're still somehow treating it almost like a football match. We come to cheer the thing on and spectate, but God wants to do it with you too. With your personality, your character, impart faith to you, compassion, all the things that he wants to put within us all and he wants to do it through our lives. So the 4,000, not a lot has been learnt. Not a lot has been learnt. So we've done the five, we've done the four, now we do the one. A bit further down the road, Jesus is chatting with the Pharisees and um, they, uh, he says to them, you know in, um, where are we? Matthew 15, um, Matthew 16, and he says to the Pharisees and the guys, verse 3, you know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you can t- cannot interpret the signs of the times. And then he goes on with the disciples, and they get into a boat, and it says in um, Mark 8, verse 14, the disciples had forgotten to bring bread. They just got into the boat, except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed it with one another and said, it's because we have no bread. They're really in tune, aren't they? They're picking up the waves. (laughs) Aware of their discussion, and this is the interesting point that I want to bring out, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. When I broke the seven loaves with the 4,000, how many baskets did you pick up? Da, 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 da. They answered seven. He said to them, do you still not understand? Very interesting scripture. I've been pondering this one a while. Amazing miracle, 5,000. Amazing miracle, 4,000. Now we get to the one, and they're not understanding what Jesus... They're still hearing the words, but it's not going into their hearts. They're not spiritually seeing. Now, there is a few things we can say about what 
Jesus' comments are. Jesus says to them, you're not seeing, you're not hearing. You have eyes but fail to see. You have ears but fail to hear. You're not remembering. A few pointers I've been looking at myself. In other words, God's given them eyes to see. He's given them ears to hear. Going back to the parable of the sower, Jesus said the same thing. Blessed are you because you have eyes to see and ears to hear. It's there. We have it. The Holy Spirit's presence. But we're so programmed often by the world's thinking that the Holy Spirit wants to transform us to begin to get in his thinking. How he wants to do it. But the programming that we've had from the world is often very strong that's there. And we're caught sometimes in ruts that God wants to bring us out of through experiences with him to show us who he is, to change our thinking. We all have the ability because the kingdom has been planted in us. If we are born again today, we have the presence of God. We have the kingdom in us. We have eyes to see. We have ears to hear him. My sheep hear his voice. He wants to speak to us. He wants to have relationship with us. The danger is, it says here, watch your hearts. Learning to see by faith. That's a big school. The eyes of faith. How we see things. How we hear things. Jesus said, watch it. Be careful how you listen. Be careful how you see. He's talking about faith. Learning to pick things up that he says especially and see it with the eyes of faith because it's the impossible realm where God has to do it. The parable of the mustard seed. The mustard seed you can hardly see but it becomes the biggest tree. From the impossibly small things, God can make massive things. From the most broken lives, you can't see anything that God could do, but he can turn that round and bring somebody right through for his glory. It's the realm of faith. It's the realm of God. Be careful of the hard heart. The offensed heart, the heart that's not forgiving, the heart that's still living in the past and pining. God wants to deal with our hearts because when our hearts harden, we can get stuck. It's all to do with the heart, to allow the seed and the seeds that he wants to sow in the heart, that they can grow and come into that abundance so that we see with the eye of faith, we hear. It'll be totally different to how the world sees and hears. It's not to do with the flesh. And in these days, we have so many voices telling us, often all sorts of stuff that's junk. Got to get our eyes back continually, Jesus God's got a plan. God wants to move. 
probably we're coming up to an amazing time where God wants to usher many into his kingdom. For the world, it's a mess. But maybe God wants to just do some amazing things in these days. Healings, setting people free, breaking into their lives, putting in place things that are important in people's lives. We can't take anything with us when we go, except for what he does in the heart. We can't take a sausage with us, <laughs> except for what God has done in our own hearts. That's what's important then, isn't it? Amen. We agree. <laughs> the rest of the stuff is to help us in that process. So the hard heart, we have to be careful of our hearts. And then another little key there, don't you remember? Don't you remember? Sometimes in life we can get in circles of things that go wrong. We come back to the beginning and then we start the same circle again or in a different context. And we do exactly the same things wrong as we did in the first circle. And then the next time, and then the next time. And God says, what am I saying in this situation? Maybe there's something that needs to change. Maybe I've got a word to say in it. And God wants to get us to listen to him. Sometimes it's stepping out in faith that is the key. Sometimes it's waiting for him to move. We have to listen, we have to ponder and wait for his voice. Each situation is different. Learning to be sensitive to God. Learning to be sensitive to God. I tell you, there's nothing more, brings more joy to the heart when we see God move and we know it's him. Absolute joy. I know that one was nothing to do with me. It's God. Thank you, Jesus. Your favour, your presence. Absolute joy can come. And in church life, sometimes, Lord, oh, break in, Father, break in, Father. And then he does things in his way. What joy. Thank you. We just worship him. We worship him. Worship is our response. It's the only thing we can actually respond to him with. Obeying him, following him, doing the things he asks and worship, worshipping him. That's our only response because we can't do anything to add on to what he's already done and wants to do. It's all him. And so he's trying to teach his disciples. Remember, look back, learn, see what was actually happening. See with spiritual eyes. See with what I am doing where my hand was at work and there was that whole process three years they got in that training period and then over to you boys buff change the world that's the calling go into the world change the world with the presence the power of god i am with you until the end that's the promise we have i am with you that's all we need that's all we need him his presence. Amen. Amen. Let me just pray. Just ask the Holy Spirit to touch our hearts. Father, we thank you.
It's all about you, it's your story, but you wonderfully include us. There's a whole process going on in our hearts and our lives. We thank you, Father, you don't give up on us. Jesus, help us. I just want to pray now, really, and we'll give out a call, really. Anybody? I just have a sense that I need to just say this. If you know that your heart has grown cold, your heart has hardened because of something that's happened in life, maybe you've not understood it, maybe you've even accused God, but it's caused your heart to harden to him. And you just want to hand that to him and maybe ask forgiveness for that and say, Jesus, come and do your work in my heart. I give it to you afresh. While our eyes are closed, I'd like you just to lift your hand and put it down. It's towards him. It's a response to him. Yes, Father, move in my heart. Is there anybody here who just needs, you feel you need to respond and say, yes, Jesus. Just lift a hand. Yes, thank you. Is anybody else? Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. It's between you and him. Turning your life over afresh. Lord, use me. Do your work in my heart. I need to forgive. I need to do whatever. Put things right, but Father, yeah, come. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for the privilege of having your presence with us. Father, we thank you that you're a powerful God. You do things in your way, and we want to give you the green light, Father. Move in power. Touch each one here, Father. Touch your church here at the green. And it can be a mighty river that flows through into the society and the people around with answers, with your presence to transform lives and situations. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. Amen. If anybody would particularly like prayer afterwards, very happy to pray with you.